0: You know, these days, uh, I look forward to, you know, having more conversations like this. And not only that, making more and more connections as we go along. Because, you know, last year when I started this, I didn't know what the expe- expectations was going to be, what the responses was going to be. And every day, you know, even though I, I work a nine to five, I look forward to doing this. This this doesn't feel like work. you know. I- this yeah. A collection of stories. Landover Legend Studios presents. Uh, I've been through a lot. I can't make this up. Podcast. Yeah. My big C. you No, know, this is a career choice that I'm making for myself. You know
1: then you know it's the right thing to do, you know, and it doesn't feel like work. Exactly,
0: exactly. So um, what uh, what uh, sparked uh, your uh, interest in wellness? Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> so if we want the whole story, it actually started when I was six years old. And it was because at that time, I used to end up going to the pediatrician so many times because I always would catch a sore throat. And so I was always going with a sore throat day and everything long story short fell in love with my pediatrician thought he was the coolest person ever, and told him when I was six that I was going to be a doctor, and back then he told me okay you know. Whenever you're ready, you let me know and I'll help you get into, into medical school. And do you know, 20 plus years later, he actually, when I went back, he was still in practice. Mm-hmm. When I was applying, I went back to him and said, would you write me a letter? He said, absolutely. I remember when you said it and he wrote a letter. And I think that had a lot to do with me getting into, into medical school. So that was that was part of it. Um But then after that, I went into plastic surgery for about 22 years, loved it, loved doing the surgery. And if I could still just do the surgery without all the other stuff that comes with it, I probably would still do it. But then I started having my own health issues and it was all a lot of, and that's something I'd love to share with you and your audience, but it was all about how I was pushing myself beyond my own capabilities. I was a solo practitioner. Um, I had two kids I was raising and I wanted to be the best in both worlds. And I just kept pushing until I ended up in the intensive care unit three times in the space of a year. And that third time I said, okay, it is time to take stock of what you're doing, change what you're doing, change your life. And that first, in the beginning, the only thing I could change was what I was eating. I was so exhausted. The only thing I could change was starting to eat better. And so I did. And then I started adding things on how I was moving, my mindset, which is another huge thing, how I was sleeping. And eventually I healed to the point where, you know, where I feel like I am today, where I feel better now than I felt 10 years ago. Um, And at first I tried to share this with the people in plastic surgery and some of them listened and most of them didn't. And I realized that, this was really what I wanted to do instead. And so I made that switch full time about two years ago. And now this is what I do. That's incredible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, the Landover Legend, AKA Big T. And thank you for tuning in to this uh, brand new installment of the I Can't Make This Up podcast. Uh, you have been listening to a uh, special guest of mine, uh, Dr. Susan Louvelle who has been giving me a little bit on her background and what got her into the wellness practices. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Susan, or oh, should I just say Susan, will not you go ahead <laughs> introduce yourself uh, to my audience?
1: <laughs> um, I go by Dr. Susan, my my last name, people get confused. So it's just <laughs> a lot simpler to say I'm Dr. Susan, just like your big T, I agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you uh, not only is a plastic surgeon, but a uh, a ballet dancer as well.
1: Yes. So, I when I told you that story initially about being six and then going back to medical school about twenty years later, I left out a big chunk of my life, and that's when I was a professional ballet dancer for about fourteen years. And it all started because, you know, really it started because my mom didn't want me watching cartoons all day on Saturdays. Hmm. And that's what I was doing. I would get up on Saturday, I would watch cartoons. And finally she said, no, 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 we're going to do something better with your life on Saturday. So she took me to a dance class and I loved it. And that built into me taking more classes and then joining the Dance Theater of Harlem in New York City. And I danced with them uh, for many years. We traveled around the world. Um, and then I went to a couple other companies before I went then on to medical school. Yeah.
0: Are you uh, from New York originally?
1: I am born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, my husband and I lived in four out of the five boroughs before we moved to North northeast north carolina
0: okay what uh what uh made you move down south
1: well (laughs) we loved living there um, and then believe it or not 9 11 hit and it really changed so when we grew up when both of us grew up you would you were able to go outside and leave your doors open all day and it was i mean Yeah, it was a big city, but it was also your home, your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, But after 9-11, it turned almost into a police state. I mean, there was just so much fear and concern. And we just knew we didn't want to raise our kids there. And so we started looking around for places that would be different. We ended up in Northeast North Carolina in a town where we were literally living next door to cornfields. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a little bit too much of a reaction in the other direction. But we enjoyed living there for a while, um, and uh, yeah, that was it. That was that was essentially why we moved.
0: North Carolina is a uh, is a huge uh, change in pace compared to New York. Like, how was that? Uh, how hard? Oh, I should I say, how difficult <laughs> was that getting used to? <laughs>
1: It was very, it was very difficult, especially um, the pace of life is is a lot different. You know, we were New Yorkers, so we're used to like, you know, walking fast, talking fast and and not really speaking to people. Well, no, that's not the way it is there. It was a small town and you had to talk to people even if you were driving by we learned like if you knew somebody you had to hand on the wheel if you sort of knew them you just put up one finger if you knew them <laughs> really well you put up your whole hand you know you're just like hey you know that sort of thing but you had to say hi to everyone so um, it was a different way of life and then uh, when we left there uh, we actually lived in Wichita, Kansas for about 10 years, mm. also plastics and he's an eye doctor. And we moved out there and it was, again, a big shift be- for, because we used to just talking to everyone and and being everyone's friend and then we moved back into a moderately sized city and it was, you know, that, that kind of shift again where you had to change what you were doing to fit in, essentially, yeah.
0: Nine eleven was twenty years ago, um, right almost almost to today, and mm-hmm. just you bringing that up, I'm like so uh I'm assuming that you you get back to new york uh every so often, like how huge of a difference it was since you left, and now, oh my goodness,
1: <laughs> um so initially, right after maybe that first five years, as I mentioned, it was very, very different in that. It was almost like we we almost described it almost like a police state, you know, where everything was being watched. You couldn't move around very much. So that was what it was then. Now, maybe not quite so much. I mean, we've all kind of gotten away from that strangling kind of fear that happened back then. Um, but surprisingly, I don't, I don't visit back very often. I do have some family there still, but I don't visit there often just because I've gotten out of that, out of the crush of living around a whole lot of people and a lot of, of activity. And other than, you know, the restaurants that were open 24-7, that's really probably the only thing <laughs> <laughs> that I miss at this point. Um, Other than that, I like not having to circle the block five times to find a parking space. And I like not being walking next to people like this because there's just so many people around. So I enjoy living in a in a smaller city at this point.
0: So with uh, everything going on and new COVID regulations and everything, did it uh, affect your practice much?
1: It made a big difference. So remember 2019, the beginning of 2019 was when I first switched from plastic surgery to holistic health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in plastics, everybody knows what you do. You know, you're a plastic surgeon, they know this, you do this, this and this, and either you want it or you don't. So you, you kind of put your shingle out and say, I'm here and they either come or they don't. With holistic health, people didn't really know what I did or what I could do for them. And so it took a lot more marketing, um, especially in the beginning, than I was used to. And that's something that I had to learn um, how to do. Um, And so it really was that, that switch in 2019 to learn how to market, to speak to the people that I would like to work with. 2020, though, um, because of COVID and because everything shut down, I went virtual. Well, actually, not more virtual. I went virtual, period. Uh-huh. And realized that rather than being the one to one doctor, you know, like I'm your doctor, and I'm going to help you this way, I am now work more one to many. So workshops, um, speaking engagements. Um, I just finished the book, just finished writing my book. It's actually in production right now. So that's essentially what has changed because of COVID. And I realized that, you know, at first it was kind of scary because I had to shut, I shut down my office you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning of the, of COVID and then when I opened virtually, it was, it, I realized that I could reach such a wider audience and make such a bigger impact by speaking in this different way and reaching people in this different way.
0: If I'm not mistaken, uh, holistic uh, pra- uh, medicine um, is an alternative from like over-the-counter drugs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken.
1: That's my biggest my biggest thing to try and get people to realize that to get out of that, have an ill, take a pill kind of mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean, I was in traditional medicine for 20 plus years. So I know exactly what it's like when someone has a problem, if they have diabetes or high blood pressure, what do you do? You give them a pill or a medication to make the symptoms go away. But what I do now is looking for why they have high blood pressure or why they have diabetes and then treating that. And if you treat that, then guess what? They come off medications for the most part. So it's a totally different mindset and way of working with people.
0: So it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say therapeutic, but, um, a more guided approach to modern medicine and trying to get people to stop putting Band-Aids on the problem and try to heal it. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly, I love the way you said that. Exactly what um, what I'm trying to do, you know, stop putting the Band-Aid on and covering it up and actually fix what's going on, heal what's actually going on. And I love that when people realize that they can have control over their own health. They can decide how they want to feel, You know, just the fact that you're 10 years older doesn't mean that you have to hurt and your joints are hurt and you're tired and you and you can't sleep. You don't have to live that way. If you know what's going on with you and your particular case, then you can actually heal.
0: So you I'm assuming that this was all self self self-taught or was it um, somebody else that, uh, you know, gave you type of some type of guidelines or checklist to go through when it came to making the switch?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, it was self-taught, you know, when I first came out of the intensive care unit. And uh, and actually I went to traditional uh, my traditional physicians in the beginning. And essentially what they wanted to do was put me on steroids, high dose steroids, which didn't really help. And if anything, they started making me really dizzy. And so I would be walking down the hallway and I'd be bumping up into the wall because I was that dizzy being on this medication. And I knew that, you know, as a surgeon, that that wasn't going to work. So that's when I started searching for answers. And I found the branch of medicine that I'm in, which is functional medicine. And that's, as I mentioned, that's uh, finding the root cause of what's going on. Um, but I realized that, yes, you could try and put it together from, I call it Dr. Google. You could try and put it together that way, but I wanted to go back and I went back and got actual formal training. So I'm certified in functional medicine as well.
0: Okay. So the uh, urban legend is that doctors make the worst patients. Did you you feel kind of biased when, you know, you was getting your your prescriptions from the
1: diagnosis? (laughs) Yeah I, I, yeah, I was a pretty bad patient and I probably still am a, a pretty bad patient. It's, if some of my clients did what I did, I, I might be a little bit upset. But, <laughs> but I think it's, you know, we, we think we know better, you know, and we do to some extent. But and I think that's why it took me three times being in the intensive care unit, because I thought I knew what was best for me. Until finally, my body said, "No, you don't. you know you need to figure out something else, and that's why we made the switch but yeah we we are pretty bad
0: <laughs> now, I think that you know we're living in an age where more and more people um are less likely to be vulnerable enough to trust trust their health in somebody else's hand or you know mm-hmm. whether it be everyday, mental or physical and mm-hmm. I think it's best if, you know, you could be honest with yourself and say that, hey, I know something isn't right or I don't know. I don't have all the answers. So I have to actually trust something outside of my own thoughts in order to fix the problem.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that happens so frequently. A, A lot of times, as I mentioned, you know, in plastics, people would know and they would come. But in holistic health, the people that I see are often the ones who, have again, tried so many different things that didn't work for them. And whether it's a particular diet or whether it's a particular hormone or a pill or whatever it is, it didn't work for them. And one of the things that I like to share with people is that we're all different. And just because something worked for you know, your best friend or your sister or whomever doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Doesn't even mean that it's healthy for you or the right thing for you. And so it's really important for each one of us to understand what our own unique bodies like and need, and then give it to it, you know, that sort of thing. And that's how we actually heal.
0: So plastic surgery, um, I mean, all from what I know is, you know, what I've read or what I heard of people speak about it. Um, I'm assuming that, like, you know, uh, reconstructive surgery falls under that category. Mm -hmm. Or was it like, um, like particular, just certain uh, activities that you, oh, I say activities, certain things that you did.
1: Yeah, both. So there are two main branches, like you said, the reconstructive. Mm -hmm. So those are the things like um, breast reconstruction after breast cancer, Mm -hmm. or if someone has a skin cancer, that was a huge part of what I did when I was in Kansas. Um, I, I would do a specific kind of surgery for skin cancer, and then I would reconstruct that, put that back together. So that was the reconstructive. And then A lot when people think of plastics, they also think of the cosmetic stuff. So, you know, the eyelid surgery and facelifts and, you know, tummy tucks and things like that, that and Botox, of course, how can I forget Botox? (laughs) So that's what people think about when they think also plastic surgery, but both of them are um, equally important and, or equally um, impactful on someone's life. And I did about 50-50% of both.
0: What drove you towards uh, that uh, specialty outside of, you know, uh, a standard practical, you know, uh, position?
1: Yeah, exactly. Versus family medicine or internal medicine. Yeah. And just the reason that I went into holistic health. So when you go through medical school, you rotate through all of the different specialties and you just see what they're like to see what you'd be interested in. Uh-huh. And when I did internal medicine, the thing that frustrated me was that you would see someone in clinic you know, one day and they would have whatever the issue was and you would give them their medicine and then they would come back the next month exactly the same way, nothing changed. And you would just give them more medicine. And I, I didn't want to do spend my life just giving people medicine and not actually helping them feel better. Cause mm-hmm. remember that six-year-old that six-year-old wanted people to feel better <laughs> yeah. and that wasn't the way to do it. So I knew that I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do the, the have an ill take a pill kind of medicine. Um, then I did my rotation in surgery and I really loved surgery, which was surprising. I didn't think I'd like it all. And I, I really like surgery. Um, but I didn't want to do general surgery because again, there was a lot of sickness and illness, you know, there we would see people who were struggling with, um, you know, say diabetes and they would have uh, problems with their legs and you do a little surgery and then you do a bigger surgery. And the next thing, you know, they were losing their leg. And I was like, no, this is not what I want to do either. So then I did a rotation, just happened to do a rotation to plastics and said, this is the best of both worlds. You know, people are happy. They come in. They're ecstatic when they go out. I make a change in their life. And that's what I did for 20 plus years.
0: That's dope. And you actually, (laughs) you know. Actually went to school and followed something like you had a dream that early as as six years old a lot of people don't a lot of people don't get that a lot of people don't find their passion to their you know at their halfway point let's say you know mm-hmm. so I think that's um I think that's great. I wish that more people would actually you know find a way to cultivate that inspiration inside themselves instead of being frustrated at nine to five. And then feel, have that mental anguish of, like, you wasted years doing this instead of following your dreams, you know?
1: I don't think any time is really wasted, if you look at it the right way. I mean, I think all of us, um, you know, whatever you even if it's a job that you don't like, there's always some little nugget of something that you're getting out of that job that you wouldn't have gotten any other way. And as long as you look at it that way and find that nugget, then there's no time that's wasted. But I will also say hmm. that once you decide that, you know, I don't want to be here anymore, that this is not what I want to do at this point in my life, then just go on and make that change and do something different. You know, and you, and I look at, you know, all the people who have done things later in life, you know, my, 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 uh, when <laughs> not that he's a, a, a you know, a, hero of mine. But I look at, you know, Colonel Sanders and he started what, <laughs> 67, 69, and he came up yeah. with Kentucky Fried Chicken, that sort of thing. Mom's Maybelline was even older when she started painting. So we can do so much more. You know, we're just because we're in our 50s or 60s or sometimes even 70s or more doesn't mean that we can't change our life or do something even more and make more impact
0: yeah i think that a lot of people they don't know how to get past that that stage where they um they dwell on that though i have -hmm. conversations with people about you know like uh after leaving like a a bad relationship or getting out of a marriage where they wasn't really in love and then you know five years later they find uh the the love of their life but they They still recite those you know those bad memories or they they say oh man i I wish i did this eight years ago or ten years ago and it's just like all right well we you've learned that lesson it's time Mm -hmm. to go back you know i i find myself receiving phone calls from associates of mine, and they complain to me about you know like uh relationships and i'm like okay well if you're not happy then leave But I love them. I'm like, well, it's not love if you constantly going back and forth and all this other stuff. And then the following week, we have the same conversation again. I'm like, no, we can't. We can't do this no more. I'm sorry. No, (laughs) you you even need to pay me twenty dollars every time if you want to repeat the
1: same conversation
0: or go to a therapist, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. But it's true. It's, It's like I think it's it's comfortable. You know, we, we talk about the whole comfort zone thing and it's comfortable to be sometimes, you know, that that there's that story about the the dog, the old dog who's sitting on the porch. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. And uh, a guy comes up and, and there's a dog on the porch. And he's just moaning, moaning and just oh, moaning, moaning. And so the guy asked the owner, like, what's wrong with your dog? And he said, well, he's laying on a nail." And he says, well, why doesn't he get up and move? And he says, well, it takes too much energy. You know, he says, it's hmm. happier to just be there being stuck and moaning about it than to actually get up and do something about it. So I don't want to be that, that moaning dog.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, if I was the owner, I'd just pick him up and move him. But,
1: you know. <laughs> 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 That's true too, right?
0: <laughs> so, uh what what uh what are some of the details that involve some of the uh the wellness teachings of of your of your practice now?
1: Ooh, I love that. So, um I have four quadrants of health. So, mm-hmm. the first one is eat elite. And by eat elite, I don't mean, you know, eat caviar and lobster and everything. But I mean, eating the best foods for you at this particular stage in your life. And you understand that that changes as your life changes. So things you could eat when you were younger, you can't eat now and vice versa. So eat elite, then it's move more. And by that, I don't mean, you know, I've got people on both ends of the spectrum. I have people who are couch potatoes, don't want to get up or do anything. But then I also have people who are, you know, they're in the gym five, six, seven days a week for hours on end, trying to do something, you know, and both ends of those are stressful on the body. So one of the things that we teach is something called Snacks Life. And that's with David Allen, he's our certified personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that is, is small, short, nuanced, actionable exercises, snacks, small exercises that you do throughout the day, a minute or two. And studies have shown that even if you're, if you add those minute or two minutes up for the end of the day, if it ends up being that 30 minutes, you still have 30 minutes of exercise. So for a lot of people, especially those of us sitting at a computer all day long, it's so much easier to say, okay, I'll get up and do a minute of an exercise. And rather than, you know, spending lots of time in the gyms, that's the two. The third is live wisely. So that's how you're sleeping, your stress hormones, whether or not your mindset, are you happy with what you're doing? That would be a third. And the last one is love divinely. And by that, I mean, loving yourself enough to make the changes you need and stick with them. Um, loving those around you and then realizing you are connected to the divine. And when you put those four things together and they're all working, you know, in four cylinders, then you're healthy and you're wealthy.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I think that uh I think that people don't actually ever look at, you know, a task or you know, uh the ability to make yourself better as a steps that you can take aside of the one big project that you don't want to take on out of laziness or whatever so (laughs) when you break it down like that it actually sounds uh, attainable outside of you
1: know anything that you deem um too difficult or whatever Exactly, exactly. And we all know that if you take too big a chunk at one time, what ends up happening? You know, you may do it for you may make it for a week or two, maybe even a month or two, but you're not going to continue. And so that's one of the things that we teach is how you take you pick maybe one of those quadrants and then you get that one better. And then when that's settled, then you move to the next one. You get that one better. And you realize that it's an ongoing thing where you just continue improving throughout your life and things just get better and better as opposed to going in the opposite direction. So how would you motivate a couch potato? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, you know, it's funny. It's like, we're there to support you. Once you've decided you're going to get off of that couch. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't made that decision or someone hasn't made that decision, there's no way that I can pull you Into that life, you Mm -hmm. know, it's um, and that's something we say in the beginning when we start working with people. It's like the very first thing is their commitment to themselves. And once they make that commitment, even if it's just getting off the couch once a day, then we're there to support them through what it takes to stay off the couch. So Mm -hmm. um, but it's all that first, that very first commitment. And then also realizing that um, things go up and down. You know, so you're going to be really excited in the beginning when you've made this change in this choice. And then, you know, after the novelty sort of wears off, it's like, uh, maybe I don't really want to do X, Y or Z. And that's why we're there. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny, I tell a story about my my son when he was growing up, he wanted to, to learn karate. Mm-hmm. So we found a karate school for him. And this particular school, you had to pay for the entire thing. so It started from white belt all the way to black belt. You paid that up front, right? Well, he gets about two belts in out of six or something like that and decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. So we're like, oh, no, 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 because mom and dad paid for this whole thing, right? And I remember for months, I would like drag him into the van and drive him to the karate and throw him out on the floor because he didn't want to go. (laughs) until he got his next belt you know he got his, his whatever that belt was he got the next belt and then it was fun again and then he was good so sometimes even with people that i work with you know they're excited in the beginning and then they hit that wall mm-hmm. and i promise them look i'm not going to drag you in my van but i will continue to motivate you until you get back on the track and that happens all the time
0: maybe it's people are looking at that wall Like it's, it's around every corner, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe, maybe that's what's causing, you know, people to just lose that drive to actually keep going because I, you know, like my nephew, sometimes they give up on menial tasks, like, Mm -hmm. you know, filling out like difficult applications. And I'm like, look, man, once you're done with it, you ain't got to worry about it. This feeling will go away. All you got to do is just finish it. Whether Mm -hmm. it's five or 20 more minutes, just, just do it, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly, and it's it's like it's it's like a muscle, you know. Uh, that discipline is like a muscle, and every time you finish something, you're making your muscle stronger. So the next time gets easier. But the reverse is true too. So every time you know you're like your your nephews don't finish something, they're making that stronger too, and they're kind of going into that. So sort of same sort of thing. So it's like you have to stop that pattern. Um, of going one way, and each time, as long as they realize it, each time they do something and complete something, they feel better about themselves, and it makes it so much easier the next time.
0: Yeah, I think that they've gotten lazy. Uh, now that they're you know in their you know early twenties, late teens, and I really think I should put them back in boot camp. I used to I used to take them with me for the whole summer, and. Whenever their room was a mess, I would come in their room at three o'clock every day. I would kick open the door and I would throw the (laughs) broom down. And I I did it for 15 days straight. So I kind of I kind of treated it like Pavlov's dog. So every time they heard me coming down the hall around three o'clock, they would just get up (laughs) and just start cleaning. Even if the room was clean, because they didn't want me to kick in the door and throw down the broom. So I, I kind of feel like I wanna do that, but you know, it's not like they're sitting at home anymore. But <laughs> that's the type of conditioning sometimes it takes. You know, you gotta uh what is it called? Uh neuro linguistic program and you exactly. gotta, gotta do that sometimes. You know?
1: Exactly. So wait, wait, are we talking three AM or three PM?
0: <laughs> no, three PM. So
1: okay.
0: after after school, they would come home, drop the book bags, go right in the room, cut on the T V and I'm like, no. No, homework, chores, and then you can do whatever, you know?
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, they're lucky to have someone like you. That is true.
0: Yeah, I I didn't want to claim, so that's what I made them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's what you're teaching them. And, uh, you know, I hate to say that it's, it's, you know, I don't mean to say that that's what I'm doing with my members. It's teaching them, but I am in a sense showing them what they're capable of and then helping them make those steps themselves
0: well not a lot of people actually take the time out and the uh initiative to actually actually help somebody you hear a lot about you know teachers not teaching students anymore because uh it's not their passion you got people that that take Mm -hmm. on jobs just for a paycheck and these aren't the right people in those positions you know when I was uh in elementary school my teachers didn't let me give up you know some of them were you know worse than the next but it was like okay you're not doing the work you can treat you like you I'm you my son you're gonna sit here until it's done Mm -hmm. and you're gonna miss recess every day until you start doing it (laughs) you know so little stuff like that but you got Not that I've seen teachers, but I hear stories about teachers who will, like, just pass out programs and and read, like, verbatim chapters out of books and stuff like that Mm -hmm. instead of actually having a little passion behind what they're trying to teach and educate the students, you Mm -hmm. know?
1: Yeah, that's what we we're talking about. It's like, if, if if it's your job, or whatever you're doing is not giving you that joy anymore, then you need to just leave. Because especially with something like teaching, you're ruining another person's life. You know, it's not just your own. Mm-hmm. If you're taking that sort of attitude, then you are. You're ruining the children in that are in your class. So... You know, so I've I, we've been lucky. We've had both ends and most of them have been wonderful teachers that my my kids have had. But we've had a few that were just like you were mentioning, where it was so obvious that they didn't want to be teaching anymore. Um, and, you know, we 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 actually had the opportunity to move our kids out of that particular class. But if you don't, then it can be really difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Creating another generations of people who are just lackadaisical, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly.
0: So uh, as of late, uh, do you ever get calls for consultation for uh, plastic
1: surgery? (laughs) It's usually not, usually not. People will ask my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, But since I don't do surgery anymore, it's, uh, you know, it's really just my opinion. Uh, you know, someone will ask me, "Well, should I get this particular procedure, or what's the best way to manage?" You know, something like that, and I'll tell them what I think and what I used to do, mm-hmm. but I don't do the surgery anymore.
0: Okay, so does that ever get like annoying, or is it just something oh, you're no. used to?
1: No, no. I like I said, I used to love plastics. Um, and if, if, if I didn't have to do all of the nonsense with paperwork, which it got to be very, not, um, I won't say political, but very um, almost corporate-like, where you had to check boxes and make sure that you had, you did certain things that that really had nothing to do with plastics, but the powers that be would say, okay, all doctors have to make sure that they do certain things. And so it was a lot of that as opposed to the joyful things that, plastic surgery was all about. But if it was just a matter of being able to say, still reconstruct someone after they had skin cancer and lost, you know, and just giving them back their life, then I would love to still be able to do that.
0: So the the powers that be would be like, you know, I know that you're fixing this guy's nose, but you know, we see he has a nick on his elbow, you know, fix that. And we'll just tell him about it once he wakes up and just, throw on a, as a, another line item or something like <laughs> oh no you
1: better not do that <laughs> you had better not do that um yeah that's that's one of our famous stories that we always say that that you know that not that it's ever happened to to me but you hear about taking off someone's mole that you see and you're there for something else and you see a mole and you take the mole off and then the person wakes up and that was their favorite mole you know? <laughs> So no, you're getting sued so no, we don't do that extra stuff, but um more things like say let's give me an example oh yeah, so in plastic surgery the you they would come in for their surgery and we would go through the health history, and some of the things that we would have to check off was did they get their flu shot or did they you know did they have their their mammogram for the year and it didn't make any difference to us as far as what we were doing for them, or what surgery we were going to do, or how we were going to manage them. It was just a box we had to check, because you know insurance says you have to check this box, and so it just got to be really annoying towards the end.
0: Were uh, were there many malpractice suits and and during your tenure as a surgeon?
1: Oh no, no, thank goodness, no. And I feel I was very, very blessed. Um, In 22 years, there were only two. One of them, I was a resident and I wasn't even operating. Mm -hmm. So that one went away. And the other one, we actually spoke with the woman and that was the end of that one. So I think that was an excellent record for 22 years. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you can't beat that. Yes,
0: yes. So tell me about this book that you just finished, if you can
1: divulge divulge any information. Sure, absolutely. It's called Thrive, The Five-Week Guide to Mastering Your Energy at Any Age. And so it's taking you through five weeks. Remember those four quadrants we talked about, eat, Mm -hmm. move, live, love. So each one of those for, for four weeks. And then that fifth week, we put it all together with something that I call listen, let go, and live. Uh-huh. And what that is, is listening to what your body is telling you, because your body is so wise and knows exactly what you need, let go of whatever isn't serving you. So whether that's what you're eating, how you are moving, what you're thinking, a relationship, a job, if it's not serving you and helping you to grow, it's holding you back. And then the third is live your own version of thriving. And only you know what that means. You know, you you can't listen to someone else who's telling you you need to do this or you shouldn't do that. So listen, let go and live. And you put those those five weeks together and people have gone through that. And even by the end of the first week, they're just amazed at how much better they feel. So I this was a program that we had and I finally decided to put it in a book so that even more could, um, you know, to experience that.
0: Oh, so it's, it's almost like a step by step guidebook. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So were you uh, intimidated and in writing the book or was it just like <laughs> something you felt like uh, giddy about?
1: It was it was funny. It's It's something I've been thinking about for years, actually. And it's when, you know how you think it's, oh, I'm going to write a book someday, someday, someday. And I finally got an opportunity to be in a cohort, a writing cohort. Mm -hmm. And what that was is each week you would come, they were there. I think there were about eight of us and we would get together and we would talk about what we had written and that sort of thing. And it was just the the knowing that I was going to have to get in front of you know, five, six, seven people and tell them that I hadn't written anything because I'm very competitive too. That's the other thing about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell, and like I said, I can't do that. And so I actually would write each week. And by the time I finished the eight weeks, I was about three quarters almost, you know, almost done with the book. And so it just took me about another month to finish it. And now it's, uh, you know, it's being produced as we speak.
0: Okay. So that, that means you found a publisher for it?
1: I am actually self-publishing through, um, it's an agency, but I'm self-publishing it. So by the time we finish, they will actually, we're putting it into the formatting for me. They find the the book cover, all of that. And then it'll be on Amazon, pretty much all of the big things. Amazon, Audible, um, you know, all of the big uh, Apple all of those things. Okay. And they'll distribute that way. And then the other way is, you know, when I speak, you know, people will hear about it. And then when I go out and talk and do a workshop, that's one of the things that I will gift to people. So it's really something that I want people to have the information. That's my primary, my primary focus for this one. Okay.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to need uh the link to the ebook once it comes out because I, I want to okay. grab a copy.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: No doubt. I'm a. I'm slowly but surely working on my autobiography for my life, and I'm not a writer, so I'm going to need ghostwriters to help. You know, spruce it up a little bit before I, you know, <laughs> take it to somebody and put uh-huh. it down. But you know, so far, I, I realized that I, I just was, I just was telling parts of you know stories, but never really giving details. So. I had one large rough draft, and now I'm going back and i'm I'm fine tuning it so I can get it to a point to where it's you know actually going to come out as something I think people would enjoy, you know, just me talk about my life and my experiences from my perspective you know
1: that is awesome, and if you've got that first draft then you're you're more than halfway there, so yeah,
0: was- it it's a grammatical nightmare, but other than that, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: That's funny. Yeah,
0: you know,
1: but it's I, the stories. It's the stories that make that really interest people.
0: So, yeah, I you know I share stories all the time. Um, you know, I've uh, I got I got hit uh, um, by. Uh, well, I guess you, I can't really say it was a hit and run accident when I was eight years old. So, uh, it was on my eighth birthday. Got this brand new beach cruiser bike and you know I'm just riding up and down the street enjoying life and everything and you know when you're pedaling and you got your pedals like vertical one at the top one at the bottom Uh so I'm going to the edge of my street and I you know I try to you know step so it can go back but it went forward and then I just remember going into the street going through the crosswalk and then seeing this green car. And, th- and then I woke up to ambulance, my godmother and my sister standing above me and they asked me, am I all right? And the first thing I asked is, where's my bike? You know, I'm
1: <laughs> important thing, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm like, where I-, I had a headache, but, you know, um, I was more concerned about my bike. Like I was, you know, I was eight <laughs> and it's my birthday and I don't remember going to sleep, but I woke up on the ground, you know. So some, some guy, uh, basically hit and run a kid on the bike and just left the scene. Oh, and, you know, luckily I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, uh, in critical condition or nothing like that. Um, went to the hospital, got checked out, you know, got cake and ice cream at the end of the day, <laughs> but, you know, you know, at eight years old, it was just one of those life lessons, you know, um. Remember where your pedals at before you get to the end of the street or your bike. Right. Oh <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I've I've met some some wild people in my life. I I've been chased by deers. I, I met a serial hitchhiker. It's 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 going to be a, a a a great autobiography. You know, from my, oh my perspective. Goodness.
1: Oh my goodness! And where did you where did you grow up? I mean, I don't mean to be interviewing you, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I uh I grew up in Maryland. You know, I'm not as uh I'm not as traveled as I want to be. You know, I've been to New York. I've been to Toronto, um, Florida. Um, I actually spent a couple of summers traveling to random cities on weekends. Oh wow! Yeah, so I would uh I would get off work on Friday. I would go to Reagan International. I would find the most reasonably priced. Airplane ticket and just go to the city and check it out for the weekend. yeah, it was extremely dangerous because I went by myself, you know, so but (laughs) I, I had some of the best times of my life in my 20s just popping up in like Kansas City during like a one of like the high school football games and like the town shuts down you know? oh yeah oh yeah. yeah
1: football is big up there
0: <laughs> so i i didn't know that um or I, it didn't dawn on me to remember that fact but you know i just was i just was going to someplace different you know so <laughs> i think that getting out of um the place where you grew up at is uh if if even if it's for like a week or two is a great way to grow and get a different perspective on life you know so i i appreciate those times that i can't really take advantage of now that i you know got responsibilities and stuff
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow i love that we so should take make, take take note of that <laughs> hey i mean you never know
0: you know even even to this day i want to go to uh egypt you know i'm not Mm -hmm. looking forward to the heat but the scenery alone could be worth it you know
1: absolutely absolutely i love that the the fact that you're you know ready and willing to expand you know expand whatever your horizons are so i
0: love that most definitely I, i learned years ago um I was I was thinking to myself when I when I realized I eventually don't want to work for anybody else. I want to get to a point to where I, you know I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, I told myself that uh, that uh, I'm gonna stop letting life get in the way of me living, mm-hmm. and I also promised myself that you know when I get older, I don't want to be on medicine and I don't want to walk with a cane. So, you know, slowly but surely I've been bettering myself. I used to I used to smoke cigarettes up until last year. Last year, uh, you know, even though it was the best worst thing for a lot of people, it created a lot of opportunities for people like myself. And I took advantage of it. And I've been bettering myself, you know, for for my future ever since, you know.
1: I love that. I love that. Well then you definitely need to get my book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's no doubt that's no doubt i I guarantee um I'll be within the first uh two hundred people to uh, make the purchase i'm, I'm going <laughs> to make sure I make sure I'm following you um uh, when that release date comes out I, I don't I don't really do hardback books i uh, I love audio books so most mm-hmm. likely it'll be that but you know in case you like um you know, end up on Oprah or something, then I'm going to have to get you to sign me one. <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> send it, it to it me, so I'll, I'll have it, you know, collector's edition.
1: There you go. Most well, definite. thank you. Thank you so much for this.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's an honor and a pleasure. Like I said earlier, um, you know, having great conversations like this and hopefully many more I have in the future, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm just breathing. You know, just effortlessly. You know, so mm-hmm. let me ask you this: um, I know that you you said that you uh, you got the book coming out. Is there anything new that you got on the horizon?
1: Uh, yeah, we're actually starting a course, believe it or not, next the um, beginning of October. Yeah, and it's it's called Thrive MD. And so we're taking what we learned in that five weeks and expanding it into a three month um, experience where people will actually learn how to design their own blueprint. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they'll know, you know, what they should be eating. They'll know what their best way of moving. They'll know all of these things. They'll even learn how to read their lab work. So, you know, a lot of times you go to your doctor, you have your labs drawn and they tell you everything's okay. Well, You'll be able to look at them yourself and say, yeah, there is or no, we need to explore something a little bit deeper. It's I really want to give people. I want to empower people to be their own best health advocates. And that's what this upcoming course is. So that's the other big thing we've got.
0: Have you ever thought about moving into like a physical building?
1: Um, I mean, I was in one mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2019. Oh,
0: should I say back into one? Yeah. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Um, well, actually, probably. Yes. Yes. Um, and the reason for that, there are certain therapies and things that we can do, you know, mis- well, whether it's massage or there are electronic things you can do that I can't do, you know, over the, the Internet. And so we would like to do that. The movement classes that we do, I even want to teach cooking classes because I love to cook (laughs) and to be able to teach people how to eat, how to make healthy food fast that tastes good. You know, that that combination is unbeatable. Um, So yeah, I can can see us moving back into, into, uh, you know, brick and mortar. Yeah, I think that uh,
0: the fact that a lot of people don't know how to cook, prevents them from choosing to eat wisely. So, you know, that'll definitely help, especially when you show them that, you know, it doesn't, I'm not saying that cooking is easy. It's an art to it, but it it takes practice.
1: (laughs) It does. It does take take practice. Yes. And just being able to trust your instincts, you know, it's a lot of times I'll, I'll look at something and have no idea what I'm going to make. And it just sort of comes to me as I'm going. Um, and that's what everyone can do. It's like you're putting together something that's speaking to you at that particular point. So,
0: so you sure you wasn't like a, a chef, also with being a plastic <laughs> surgeon and a, and a ballerina? Like it sounds like you have showing off a little bit, just a little bit.
1: <laughs> I was not a chef, although that is one of the things that was on my my bucket list when I was younger. Because I do, I love to cook. So. <laughs>
0: Okay. Doctor, author, chef, ballerina. I I see. Uh, I guess you get one more and you're just going to have like the the Thanos glove or something, you know?
1: (laughs) Race car driver. There it is. That was the other one.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. You're in North Carolina, so I I can see that happen.
1: Right, right. (laughs) But that one I have to keep, that one I have to kind of keep tamped down. So
0: yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this has been dope, uh, Susan. I appreciate you for uh, taking the time out and joining me today.
1: Thank you so much. This was st- a lot of fun. This yeah, we fun. uh
0: we got to do this again in the future. You know, uh, <laughs> give, give us some time and see where you're at and see what you got new cooking up in the uh the old lab. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, why don't you let my guests know where they can find you at and uh, anything you want them to check out.
1: Sure. So our website is premierwellness.com and premier is spelled P-R-E-M-I-E-R-E wellness.com. I'm on Facebook. And uh, so Facebook is Premier Wellness with Dr. Susan. And then Instagram, we are premier Wellness underscore. Okay. Uh, and we're more on LinkedIn. So.
0: And I believe you got a YouTube page too, as well.
1: Oh yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> I think. That... <laughs> it's like, you can't keep track of all of this stuff. Right. Uh-huh. Um, that I think is also premier wellness with Dr. Season. So yeah.
0: Okay. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Premier wellness everywhere and please make sure you follow my guests and uh check out everything she has going on along with her team and be on the lookout for the book. Um, I believe it's called Thrive.
1: Mm-hmm. A five-week guide to mastering your energy at any age.
0: There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But uh I have been your host, the Landover Legend, aka Big T. Thank you for listening to the I Can't Make This Up Podcast. That's I Can't with a K make this a podcast you can find me everywhere podcasts are available i'm also on facebook youtube twitter and instagram and please don't forget to hit that follow button subscribe like and you know leave a comment let me know what you like and what you didn't like and and if you didn't like it i'll block you but other than <laughs> that you know have a good day <laughs> peace <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't make this up Being the wingman got me punched in the face by this crazy chick I can't make this up Gave this cool old man to ride home Now I'm harboring the fugitive I can't make this up Pinned between the fat chick and the speaker Now my shirt smell like her backside I can't make this up It's all bad cause my man about to get stabbed in his hand over french fries Back and i'ma let the landover legend do the rest i'm
1: out